Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG radio show. I feel like it's a radio show because we've been on a lot this week. We've done a lot of calls. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How many calls have we done this week? Maybe like six and including the masterminds for AFM. And this the week, four, five, six. This is our seventh. That's a lot of um, it's a lot of time, isn't it? How do you feel? It's a good job we get on very well. <laughs> very lucky. <laughs> How's your day been? I've barely spoken to you. I know. Morning. Huh? Since about four hours ago. <laughs> My day has been good, yeah. Um, What did I get up to? Not a whole pile, I don't think. Can't even remember what I did today. But yeah, it's been good, I think. How has your day been? It's been all right. Like I was just saying, I've got a lot of stuff to do, but I've just not been that productive. So I just thought, want to do a podcast. (laughs) That's one way to avoid getting the work done anyway. Life hack, productive procrastination. Yes, I do agree with that. Mm. I do a bit of that myself as well. Mm. I just had a really good mentoring call though. Uh, One thing that came up was this an interesting observation that she was talking about like this girl does really well and she's talking about financial goals and she's like not that fussed by them you know AFM vibes cares more about impact than income but she was like it's so funny seeing like business mentors talking about like normally male talking about how much they earn and she's like oh it's so gross seeing it and I was like yeah and I normally I think that most men like I know that if someone asked me I would tell them slightly less than what the reality is Mm -hmm. most men would tell you slightly more than what the reality is and then we're like, yeah, like if someone's like, how many people have you slept with? And men are like, yeah, like times it by 10. And women are like, what is it meant to be like? Divide it by three or something. I don't know, but they definitely wouldn't be saying the right number. No, exactly. <laughs> You'd be winding it down. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, probably. Anyway, yeah, but what's the fact if it's a girl, then who's I guess you're both winding it down, aren't you? Probably. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Okay, well, we actually have a health and fitness question here. Would you like it? Okay, go. It's quite long. Oh, okay. Nice. I'm just <laughs> climbing out of the fuck it bucket. It wasn't a nice place to be, but here's the really weird thing. I've successfully navigated three days with my daughter at my parents' house, which isn't a happy place for us. I could keep within my calories and made great choices when I took them out for Christmas lunch, just couldn't hit protein, but I knew that. I skipped lunch when we went back, when we, oh, sorry, when we got back to London and then had an awful snack at home while trying to prepare a delicious meal. Really, my question is, why do I fuck up when I'm at home? I can have a meal out, navigate perfectly, and then binge eat before I go to bed. I can keep on the straight and narrow narrow while I'm on holiday or visiting relatives, etc. And then I eat shite at home quite often when there is a prepared healthy option. Although, to be honest, I prepared myself something in advance. It is less likely. I'm writing this at the gym, though, and I did have my yogurt and protein powder before coming to try and stop the overeating. This behavior gives me a lot of self-loathing which actually feels worse than the overeating in some ways. What an interesting and good question. Mm. So it's only when she's at home. It's more likely when she's at home, yeah. I would I would try to get curious as to 
is there something about being at home that makes her uncomfortable or that she's trying to to get some sort of comfort um potentially to avoid something when at home mm. um there's a lot to unpick there do you know what i actually think this is more common than what people think so some people would would be like oh but you know when you're at home you can choose the exact foods that you want you could have your protein in there you can have your lots of fruit and veg so you've got enough volume in there and stuff but no one's watching you Mm -hmm. so you you're also kind of like in some ways like peer pressure can actually be good because you're not going to massively overeat in front of other people because they'll be like wow like what like what's going on with you or you'll get comments from other people and sometimes you know you can say that as, as a negative thing but sometimes it actually makes you behave in a slightly better way because of kind of the external pressures of things and then sometimes it's easier when you're out or when you're on the go or I always know that I used to find it much easier when I was like busier or traveling I think a lot of people are like oh I'm traveling it's going to be so hard to get my nutrition in sometimes it's easier because you only have 30 minutes in the morning to do a workout and you only have this one option for lunch. And you know that if you don't eat at this point, you're going to be on a train for the next two hours. And I'm sorry, but I find eating on the train quite gross. <laughs> so <Sorry. laughs> but you know, whatever, like you've kind of got these like split periods of time where, you know, there's either going to be no option or pretty shit option that you don't want. And then actually you tend to be more organized. And sometimes it is the fact that it would just be a bit like it's other people's, whether you call it judgment or like self-imposed judgment, but I remember watching this film actually with very rare occasion. I was going to say watching the film. <laughs> I think the the girl from Hermione from Harry Potter was in it. Oh yeah. Um, but anyway, it was about. It might not have been her. It literally, could have been any woman. But um, <laughs> it, it was like this like alternate universe or something in fact it might have been one of those like black mirror episodes i don't know move on anyway <laughs> what i'm trying to get to is essentially like she could be seen at all times so it was like she was living in like a reality tv show now all of her and the, the point they're making is like your behaviors improve because you're constantly being monitored like you're not going to do things that you wouldn't want other people to see because and i don't know whether it was like a brain chip or something that you could always go back and see like what you'd actually done and what you'd said in certain situations and blah 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 but it's like yeah if you're being watched you're less likely to do things that aren't in line with who you want to be perceived to be so an example of this could be overeating yeah but that's what I mean but like if she's doing it when she's at home she needs to figure out okay well what what is it about being at home that Set up cameras and live stream on for hours a day? But this is common for a lot of people with different issues. It might be, you know, after a breakup, being on your own, it can be very difficult to be alone with your own thoughts that you're like distracting yourself with other things. Are you you stay out of that environment or you go meet people just to keep yourself occupied? But occupied. Occupied. <laughs> But back to this point, let's not go off now and get distracted <laughs> the, between the pair of us now. One's bad at the other. <laughs> but trying to figure out like what it is about being at home, like that 
there has to be some sort of discomfort coming up somewhere or something that is triggering the overeating in the evening. Like maybe that's boredom, lack of sense of joy from being at home or something like that, or having like a bit of a come down from being out and having like um, nice, good feelings out with people, enjoying people's company and then coming home. And that kind of like a massive transition or a bit of a contrast into how you're feeling. But it definitely I would definitely get curious about what's different from being out and about with other people than being at home. And also, are you overly restricting when you're out and about with other people that then it's kind of having a kickback when you get home? Yeah. So like from a coaching perspective, and I know Maureen does exactly the same, but when any anytime someone's like, I'm overeating in these certain situations, you're kind of looking at, okay, what's happening around this situation? What what is the reason behind the overeating and what's causing it? And the first thing that we'll always look at is over restriction. Because it's often people tend like the most likely time that someone overeats is in the evening. And the number one reason that people overeat in the evening, and it's not always this, but it's usually that I've been so quote unquote good all day. And what they mean by that is I had a lettuce leaf for, for lunch and I'm freaking starving. And then they wonder why they kind of lose that sense of control in the evening when they have got a bit more time. And then sometimes it does come into play as well. And the hard thing is sometimes it's not just one reason. It's not all, you know, you might be like, oh, but I didn't over restrict in some situations. And then it's like some nights, yeah, I don't know, you feel lonely and you're using food as comfort for that or you've got too much time. Like this often happens. I remember having a client who was like, any night I don't go to the gym, I end up overeating. And it was more just like, it become a bit of a habit of like, if, if you're sitting in the house between like sort of seven and 9 PM, they didn't have anything else to do and they were injured at the time. So it was kind of like, mm, maybe it was a bit of a comfort, but also it was just a bit of like, I'm bored. And it can be as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would delve a little bit into, okay, what what might this be? But I also think, because um, you put here, like it's such a weird thing. I think it's actually quite normal human behavior to, especially when you're maybe either known to be trying to lose fat or on a diet, or like as an example, we'd probably both have because of our jobs, external pressure from families. I know that people watch what I eat, whether it's family or whether it's someone like, you know, just because like, well, you work in health and fitness. Oh, you know, would she have diet Coke or not? Or like, does she drink or like how much of that she going to eat? Or like, is she getting enough protein? Or, you know, like people are always like, Oh, interested in what you're doing. Right. So, you know, you've got eyes on you. And I don't know if it's, and I don't know what, you know, you've said that it's not a happy place at home, but whether your parents expect you to eat a certain way. And that might not necessarily be a good or a bad thing. It's just, Sometimes you kind of live up to those expectations externally when you're out and that might actually be leading to over-restriction, which is contributing to the overeating when you're at home and alone. Agreed. Mm. Interesting. What are you having for Christmas dinner? Turkey and ham. The usual. Full. Yeah. Oh. What do you mean together? On the same plate? Yeah. Huh and stuffing and all the veg I cannot wait my mother makes a class she make her her Christmas dinner is insane like I cannot wait for it but like the roast veg the roast carrots and parsnips and the stuffing 
Look at the parsnip I got. Oh, <laughs> that's very cute. Are you mm. going home for Christmas dinner? Or, yeah. 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 But I think we're going to do it on Christmas Eve because oh. my brother's home. Mm. Oh, nice. So what do you have? Will you eat turkey? Mm. Well, you do. I mean, I went through it. Oh, my God. Last year. Last year, I was dating a vegetarian. When well, no, I was dating a vegan, wasn't I? So I went vegetarian. <laughs> I wasn't going to go full vegan because I thought that's too far. It's a bit extreme. It's very, like, you know, it's hard to do. It's just like impractical as well. And also from the dietary standpoint, not great. Um, but I did go vegetarian. Well, actually, let's, let's not lie. Pescatarian um, for a period of time. Let's not lie. I just don't eat red meat. No, anyway, I went back to eating chicken. Oh my god! If you take some time off eating chicken and go back to it, even now I'm like, <laughs> oh so good, like unbelievably good. So yeah, but last year my dad was like, I've made you a nut roast, and I, you know, I appreciated the effort, but it was real bad. Was it? And I think nut roast is actually lovely. Yeah, but on it, it was just, it was so dry. All right, okay. And he was like, you can have some gravy, but it's been made in, um, like, uh, chicken fat. <laughs> you know, like, the bits off the bottom of the chicken. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to skip that. that. <laughs> eat the chicken, huh? Um, it was, yeah, it was pretty dry time. So I'm quite excited for this year. Mm. What do you have on the dinner? Turkey? Any specific veg? I actually think we're having chicken. Oh. Because turkey's a bit dry, isn't it? It is, yeah. Okay, what will you be having with the chicken then? Parsnips. Are you contributing to the cooking? <laughs> Probably not, no. <laughs> Might be safer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just that <laughs> one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'll contribute so my mum said I was like I mean my brother definitely doesn't listen to this so it's fine but my brother and his girlfriend are coming right and I was like what do I get Alex's girlfriend and she was like she's really into puzzles now I hope she's not like having a laugh here because I've gone and bought her a puzzle and I just think that's one of the worst like Christmas presents she might be like okay thanks yeah well, <laughs> you might just think you're a complete nerd <laughs> and yeah, likes to stimulate her. the brain all the time. She's in the right house well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? Sitting around my Christmas dinner table, like you'll you'll learn quite a lot. There'll be some healthy debates going on. It, it, I'd say it's so intense. Like if you're not in any ways intelligent, do you have good luck? Like it's like... You, Stay quiet. <laughs> They're just very intense debates as well. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, we do have another question. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, I've read on your Instagram post that one of the benefits of taking creatine is to help with brain fog. What are the cons associated, please? And what brand do you recommend? So I this must be one of the most common questions I get. It Honestly, the reason that I don't recommend a brand I am just going to start recommending a brand. So I'm going to give you an option of a few. Um, is because creatine monohydrate in itself should just be the same. End of. 
but if you get it I think most I normally either go on bulk powders or my protein or Andy will just rock up into home bargains and buy whatever's on the home bargains offer but whatever it should like it should all be the same because it's just that ingredient that you want um and then re I mean I think this is a really good question what are the cons associated that's really what you should be asking with any kind of treatment or any kind of like supplement or drug or medication is like okay what are the downsides to doing this and then you can weigh up if for you the pros outweigh the cons right because for different people that will look very different and just because I've been doing quite a lot on Azempec that's a great example of it like if you are in a healthy BMI range the risks of taking a drug that have side effects are way higher than the potential benefits you're going to get if you are obese and type 2 diabetic and this drug could literally reverse your type 2 diabetes and and change your life then the potential negative side effects are probably you know way less than the potential benefits that you're going to get so that might be the right choice for you so anyway i think it's a good question um with creatine that most people don't experience any negative side effects some people say that they get bloating i honestly think that sometimes people are misattributing things to creatine and it might be other changes in their diet because it's unlikely to cause bloating now that some people do experience um gastrointestinal distress and maybe that is bloating um some people say they get a headache i just make sure that you're hydrated but realistically for, for most people like they don't have a side effect nor will you feel this working like mm-hmm. I think some people think that they can it's probably a placebo it's not you know it's not like caffeine that you're going to be like oh I took it and then I was like yeah I can really feel this it happens over a period of time it's quite a subtle change um and and I would say maybe in perimenopause or women maybe you would notice the change in brain fog now even if that is a placebo effect great it's pretty cheap N- not you know really any negative side effects but it is quite individual. Like some people do experience a bit of GI distress or headaches. That's normally it, but most people don't. The the question that we often get after that is, I've heard that it help, it makes you gain weight. Like how do I avoid this? Or how long will the weight gain stay? And the answer to that is it can for some people, but realistically as a woman, it's probably not going to make you gain that much weight because you're probably not going to have that much muscle mass with which to store that much creatine. So the reason that you gain weight is because you store some water with the creatine within your muscle. It's not body fat. You've not gained fat. You've just like, and I don't even like the term retaining water. You're using water to store the creatine, much like you need to use water to store carbohydrates in your muscle as well. Now, realistically that weight gain will persist as long as you're supplementing with the creatine and as long as it's working right and any any like creatine supplements that are like this creatine doesn't cause weight gain like that to me kind of reads it doesn't work because the creatine's not being stored in your muscle (laughs) like it's a side effect of the fact that it's working um but i would say it'd be minimal most of my clients that take it mostly women don't even notice it Mm -hmm. Um, I think some some people have said they've noticed definitely um digestive distress but if you're loading it which you don't need to load it 
I think that's where most of the problems can occur is like if you're loading it and, and you're not used to it at all. But if you're just taking like three to five grams a day, you probably won't notice any difference. Yeah. Another reason I wouldn't bother with the loading phase. Mm-hmm. We are likely to get more distress. Distress. Mm. Um, would you like another question? Yes, go ahead. Okay, hold on. It's going to go to my Instagram. Hold on to your hat. Just followed you, babe. Oh, yay. (laughs) Honest to God, when I saw that I could change it today, I was like a child at Christmas. Oh, it is Christmas. And oh, I am part child. (laughs) By the way, if you're not following Maureen, it's at Maureen underscore ESG Fitness. Yay, boom. Um, And I would highly recommend it because Maureen is hilarious. And even if, you know, like also great information, but even if you don't want great information, just want a bit of a lol, then then follow. I scared my friend today. It was, (laughs) I got such a kick out of it. (laughs) She was walking down the street. I just happened to see her as I was driving on the road. And instantly I was like, phone out. I knew well she was going to roar if I screamed out the window. So I roared out the window she leapt made a big jump (laughs) on the street but the funniest part was there was a guy walking towards her and he started wetting himself laughing as well and she said he was laughing the whole way up the street so like I just got a double kick out of it all together and it's on my story um okay been training consistently for a couple of years i'm still getting doms is is it normal to still be sore i would look at your recovery like how often is are you training are you not recovering training too hard for the amount of recovery that you're getting mm-hmm. yeah i think long term like doms is more of a sign of under recovery um so that would be something to think about and I think as people still struggle so much to get their head around the fact that more is not inherently better with exercise and you you almost have to live it to realize it like I used to train six days a week honestly usually twice a day for six days right and I cut that down because I changed jobs and whatever. I cut that down to like, I think like four days a week very quickly. So from going from like 12 sessions to four. And honestly, my physique got better. My energy levels were better. I got better results from it. Now, obviously I was like quite extremely overtraining. And I wouldn't even say it was like having so much of a negative impact. It was just like spinning my wheels. It was just a waste of time you know, and obviously wasn't adapting to the stimulus of the exercise, but it's so hard to get people's head in the, in the mindset of, oh, actually less could get me a better outcome. And I don't know if this is helpful, but if you've ever experienced like, I don't know, sitting down and really being in the zone to do a specific piece of work and removing all your distractions, and then you realize how quickly and efficiently you can get that done, when you know what you need to do and you're excited to do it and you're just in the right brain space, that compared to trying to do six things at once is kind of a similar thing. It's like you just get way less done and it's way less effective. And it is, I guess it comes back to like law of diminishing returns. You know, like you after you doing 30 minutes of writing 
after four hours of Zoom calls is not the same as you doing 30 minutes of writing before four hours of Zoom calls, right? Like it might be the same 30 minutes, but the difference because of your recovery rate and basically because like how much you can concentrate looks very different. Kind of same with with the exercise, like that first 30 minutes of exercise you do is very effective. Over and above that, you might be spinning your wheels a little bit and everyone's recovery rate changes. And I, this is something we talk a lot about on Commit to Six because so many of our women are peri or postmenopausal. Your recovery rate changes going through menopause and as you age. And you need to adapt your training to that. And there isn't like a one size fits all there. It's kind of like a personal, okay, like where are you at? How are you recovering? What else do you have going on in your life? What's your hormonal status at the moment? Are you on HRT? Are you not? Et cetera, et cetera. But those things will change. And actually how you tra- how you trained in your 20s won't look the same as how you should be training in your 40s. 50s. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely like your quality goes instantly. And I would definitely look at sleep as well because that would play a massive factor into how well because like when people think of recovery they often just think oh I just need to take a day off the gym but at the same time if your sleep is shit your nutrition is shit and you're not feeling the best yourself like it will have an impact so look at all those things agree okay last question can you track without weighing food best advice on how to start (laughs) If you've never tracked before, like you're you're it's totally you're totally like just guessing. Guessing the portion sizes, it's it's enlightening when you do actually start to track. You can you can um do it, but I would think if you're completely new to it, you would have to give you'd have to educate yourself on it. I don't think you can can do it from from nothing and have a no knowledge about portion sizes. Mm. There's so many ways to answer this question because I think there's an underlying potential belief here that you need to track calories. Now, if you're like, I don't want to weigh my food. Okay, well, like, okay, what's the outcome goal here? Because there's loads of ways that we can get there. If, if your outcome goal is fat loss, you don't need to track calories at all to do that. I agree that it's actually really useful for most people to do even for a short period of time. And if you're going to do it for a short period, even if you're like, I'm going to do three days of kind of quote, quote, normal eating, I would weigh everything out because that's the most eye-opening thing when you're like, oh, I've just added 200 calories to my stir fry by the amount of olive oil I put in it. Like I didn't realize that, you know, just like pouring it in would actually equate to so many calories. Now that I've kind of weighed it out on the spoon, I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe I need to be careful with that. Or like how much butter you're putting on your toast. Like it is pedantic as hell. Like would I recommend people do it all the time? I'd certainly not be doing that. But the difference between like one person's peanut butter spread on toast and another person's could be double the calories quite easily. And it's just making you a little bit more aware of these things that is quite useful because otherwise you can be like, you know, we might have clients be like, oh, this is what I have for breakfast, lunch and for dinner. And we're like, yeah, it sounds good. But that could be anywhere between 1400 calories with smaller portions or, you know, 2000 calories. Now, that might not even put you in a deficit if you're closer to the 2000 and that could be why you're not losing fat so if you are going to track I'd recommend doing it even for a little like a short period of time quite specifically and weighing stuff out 
but you don't have to track and the the kind of caveat to the weighing things out or like the the next point I want to make on that is even if you weigh everything meticulously it's still not accurate but it doesn't need to be accurate like there are so many inaccuracies that come into calorie tracking even things like how much of certain foods you will or won't absorb and there's actually individual differences with that as well and then you've got to think about like your own energy expenditure and how that changes and then like food labels and there's just so much that goes into it that it's never going to be accurate, but it doesn't need to be accurate. You just need to make sure you're in some kind of a deficit. And this is also why we set like range targets, because we know that fat loss comes from the behavioral aspect of these things, as opposed to the exact calorie targets. Like some people will, especially on Instagram, I, I find whenever I talk about calories and people are like, can you help me set my calories as if actually the answer to years and years of yo-yo dieting was that they should have been on 1600, not 1500 calories. Like that's not the problem. Like the exact calorie number is never going to be the problem. It's your behaviors around food that we need to change. That's going to allow you to eat in a sensible way that puts you in a bit of a deficit. It's maintainable for you so that you can get results while you actually enjoy getting your, well, while you enjoy your life, while you get results. Um, but yeah, I think you can, you can get like too specific over the calories and then people massively stress out over something that isn't accurate anyway. You know, like when people are like 50 calories over their calorie target and you're like, you might not even be, or you might be 200 calories over just because tracking's inaccurate. Food labels are inaccurate. The, certainly the calories on menus are inaccurate, but they're still useful because they give you a ballpark. Yeah, I definitely like there's things like pasta and rice, like a lot of people would be eating like three portions when they're eyeballing it. So I definitely think not even worrying about how many calories in it, but just being able to have a guide of what a single portion looks like. It's a good thing to be doing it, especially with things like cereal. Yeah. Oh, like that. Like that is soul destroying. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I know, especially like, remember there used to be <clears throat> the Special K diet where they were like, just replace two of your meals with Special K or something. And then like that, that was like a solution to a diet. Yeah, I never did that. But I saw it was a Claire, I think, post with the other day. And I was like, I love cereal. <laughs> I'd probably be able to do it. But like 30 yeah, but, gram but portions. Then, yeah, exactly. But then you're like, oh, yeah, because not I was like, oh, all right. Well, you have it for breakfast and lunch. And then you have a bit of a bigger dinner. All right. But then when you you see the portion sizes. Yeah. Oh, you mean it's not a box? <laughs> oh, no. A no. box per meal. <laughs> That's the thing about cereal. It's way too easy to eat. Yeah. And then you've got to think about what you're putting in it. You know, how much yeah. milk do you, is it? Do you like your cereal like swimming in milk? Mm, I don't like it fully swimming. I like a good bit of milk, yeah, but not not too much either, where it's like the milk is covering the, cer the cereal. Yeah, like, okay, does the cereal float? No. Okay, yeah, no, I agree. I think when the cereal starts floating, it's too much milk. So do you put oat milk in your cereal? I don't eat cereal. If you were, Emma, come on, play the game. <laughs> <laughs> um well when I used to eat cereal I I 
I used bovine milk. Bovine? <laughs> Why are you so weird? <laughs> Do you know what I just remember I always remember that because my mum said it once and it was the weirdest thing like the the like we were in a coffee shop and the barista was like oh do you like what kind of milk is that oh. the cat there's a cat sound meow is that the cat that was missing no no oh just in oh. case anyone didn't know there was a cat missing and oh, it, it was just black cat was it oh. is it a black there was a cat missing and there was a thousand pound reward if the cat was found. But Emma's just investigating her garden to see, is that the cat? I don't I don't think it was the cat. I've left it in case it wants to come in. But that actually a cat came in once and then I didn't know how to get it out. But anyway. <laughs> what uh, do you mean you didn't know how to get it out? <laughs> Like, well, well, if it's not your cat, you don't know how it's going to respond. I know, but get a brush or something and be like, shoot. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so we were at a coffee shop and the barista was like, uh, do, do you just want like normal milk? Oh no, she was like, do you do you want uh, oat milk as well? My mum was like, bovine is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I told my mum this a while ago and she was like, yes, oh, professor. <laughs> like, you definitely said that because it's ingrained into my memory. <laughs> yeah, just bovine milk, please. Oh my god. Um. Okay. Well, we managed to answer those questions that we had, which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Keep them coming. Keep them coming in. Commit to six fam. And uh, if you're thinking, do you know what? I'd love to start my fitness journey with Maureen in 2024. Then uh, head over to esgfitness.co.uk, fill in the application form, tell us a little about you, what you're struggling with, what your goals are, and let's see if we can help you. Okay, bye.